Hello, and welcome to SG Squared. Steve Bladen, Global Small Groups Pastor at Saddleback Church, pulls from his 20-plus years of small group ministry experience to encourage and equip listeners to lead more effective small group ministry. Sit back, learn, and enjoy SG Squared with Steve Gladen. Welcome to SG Squared, Steve Gladen on Small Groups. Derek here as always. Thank you so much for tuning into our show. And um, I just excited. I am excited that we've got a special guest on the show today, uh, Christina Dawson, Life Groups Director at the Woodlands Church, who's also an entrepreneur and done uh, big stuff in the business world. And we're going to be talking about how data can help you. So, Steve, how excited are you for the show? <laughs> You know, I'm always excited. Anytime I can be with you is always an uplifting piece. Whenever we can have someone who's on the show with us is always a plus. And uh, Christina and I bumped into each other in the open office hours. For those of you that are not all access members of the Small Group Network, I'd encourage you to do that uh, because once a month we have uh, an all office hour uh, together and uh, I get to host that. And uh, Chris... Uh, the lead pastor or the lead small group pastor at the Woodlands was on it along with Christina. And we had a great opportunity just to rekindle. Chris and I are good friends. We've been knowing each other for about five to seven years. And Christina was on the show. Uh, I mean, not on the show, but she was uh, on the open office hours, if I can get that, all that out. And we were talking about something that we always have a kinship about, and that is data. And I know if those of you that have been through Accelerate, we always talk about how data is king. We all know Jesus is king and Lord of our lives, but data is a big piece of how the small group ministry runs. So, Christina, welcome aboard. Say hello to everybody listening to the show. And then if you can, give us a little snapshot. Give us about 30 seconds of heart about um, who's Christina? Who's this voice they're going to listen to? Yes. Thank you, Steve, so much. Uh, hi, everyone. I am Christina, and I'm so excited to be here. I am just a, a woman who loves the Lord and loves His people, and I am new to the small groups world, but I am not new to people. I have been working in sales, uh, all different capacities and serving people uh, in so many ways. Even before sales, I worked in restaurants and even worked in my dad's restaurant when I was a little girl. So the Lord had a plan because he wanted me to start serving people at a really young age and raise me up so that I could learn how to do that uh, for him. Because that's what leadership in the church is, right? It's being yeah. a servant. So I yeah. am uh, an aspiring servant leader. Yeah. And she's just you just jumped into the group's world not too long ago. You're at the Woodlands, which is just a powerhouse church and so deep in groups and, and that. But how long you, you've only been in there just a little bit out of the corporate world, but slipped into a different people business, selling different things. We're selling the gospel, uh, not really selling it. We give it away for free. But how long you've been into the church world? Yes, I started working at my church in Kentucky, the First Baptist Church of Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, a couple years ago, and uh, worked there part-time, and came on full-time uh, in Houston with the Woodlands Church in January of this year. Yeah, they, they got a... 
they got a good person. So uh, we're excited to have you on the show. You've got a, a rich history. Uh, we got some great, you can always look in the show notes. We got uh, Christina's uh, bio in there. And we're going to run through seven thoughts that you may not have been thinking about with data that's going to be super important. And, and as you know, uh, we're, we, we may talk about some corporate things. We may talk about, uh, you know, you know, you, hear, you might hear sales or marketing or different angles. But what we're always talking about is people getting them close to Jesus and more importantly, getting them uh, to be great followers of Christ and, and discipling them. But in doing that, you've got to know who they are and you've got to manage the people you're with. And if you've got more than a handful of groups, you, you've got to get into data management. And so it's very, very important for you to understand, although you may go, man, this isn't quite the gospel and, and what I was thinking. It is very akin to the gospel, and it's very, very important that you know you can manage people and use data to help you manage the people that, that you're with. So it's going to be super important. You're going to hear a couple of terms that I want us to unpack really quick, and it's CRM and it's UX. And on this particular show, we'll do a follow-up show a little bit more on CRM. But on this particular show, we're going to be going a little bit more into the UX side of it. And so, uh, Christina, before Derek starts, Derek and I start rifling questions at you uh, with that. Uh, talk to us. Uh, what, what, when you hear the word CRM, when you hear the words UX, you want to unpack that for us real quick? Yeah. So, CRM is just a fancy way of saying how you manage your your customers or your members or your people and their information. And whenever I hear that word, it it's like caution ahead, right? Because mm -hmm. data is so important. The only thing worse than no data is incorrect data. So having an accurate CRM is so important. And then, this, yeah, go ahead. And I was going to say, so CRM, it's, it's, it's how you manage your data. It's, uh, you know, in the corporate world, they call it customer relationship management uh, system. Uh, in the church world, pick your churchy word you like and with that. But then in UX, when we're talking about UX, what's, what's that about? User experience, right? Yeah. And that is key. And so we're, we're also going to be talking about just how uh, and what we're talking about when we're talking about the user experience is what, what's their interface with it. And as Derek and Christine and I all know is that data can be cold. Data can be heartless. Data can be just a bunch of numbers and facts and figures and stuff like that. But it's how do you bring it up and how do you make it warm and heartful? So we have seven thoughts on, on ways data can help you. And uh, Derek, do you want to kind of kick us off and get us moving through a, a couple of these. Absolutely. And Christina, I love how you started out um, in your intro saying that you might be new to small groups, but you're not new to people. Yeah, That is so true because it all transfers. Um, so in talking about data, um, I guess one question we might have is um, – how accurate data is critical because you said the only thing worse than uh, no data is wrong data, right? So how accurate data is critical? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, let's just use a real example. If we're going to be communicating 
through our through our data. So whether that be communicating with folks through text messages or communicating through emails, it's really a waste of everyone's time and energy and ultimately God's funds, right? So everything we do in the church is I always remember and recall that it is people's tithes, right? That they've given. And so I want to steward that well, because I want more. And that's what the Lord will do when we steward, uh, steward things. Well, he gives us more. And so if we want to grow, ultimately we're going to need more. And so making sure that, that data is accurate is critical because if we're sending messages to people and they're not receiving them, well, that's not going to be very effective, is it? Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point because in this first thought, when we're talking about accurate data is crit- critical, I have found that in my uh, in my time doing small group ministry is that when I'm working with small group pastors and I'm, even when I'm with working with myself and Derek and I used to do this together. And so he'll remember this too, is that oftentimes we, we want to hold on to some data that's just not useful. And so having, having that accurate data is, is you've got to know how many groups you have. You can't wonder it's not, well, it's about 10 or it's about 12. It is, you know, I've got, you know, 11 groups or, you know, the data inside of them. You know how many people are meeting in those groups because it's super important that everything is critical. And I, I know one of the things I'm telling my small group pastors all the time is don't, don't be afraid of deleting groups. Don't be afraid if they're not meeting anymore, or don't be afraid of, you know, this group only has three people when it used to have six people and that. It's just that you, you've got to be comfortable in knowing that data is always our friend. And the more accurate data is all the way around, the more the more friendly our, our system is to us and helps us make great decisions. Uh, sometimes it's kind of like when I go to the doctor. Uh, I, I want him to lie. When, when I stood on the scale last week, I wanted him to, wanted him to lie and to say, you know what, there, this scale's wrong. It runs about 30 pounds heavy. And I, I, I would have loved that. But, you know, the data needs to be accurate with that. So, uh, Christina, any more thoughts? Or Derek, any more thoughts on that? Yeah, I had one question, Christina. Yeah. Obviously, with people always changing locations, mm. phone numbers, obviously accurate data is critical. Do you have one top nugget or tip on how to keep this this data accurate? Yes, I do. So the number one most important thing, I worked for one of the best chambers of commerce in the country, and we had this incredible uh, data manager. That was her only job, full time, 40 hours a week, was to keep the database up to snuff. And once a year, we did a, it was old school snail mail, mail out where people would just fill in, right? It's not reading their data and saying, is this correct? Yes or no. It's just refilling it in. And then they would mail that back in a pre-stamped envelope. And then that would all be redone. Now, is that necessary? Probably not. I think we can do it digitally, but ultimately that was a way that worked, And that's why they continued to do it that way. There was no need to change it. But having an annual update where you're engaging with every single person in the database to now, maybe it's just a preference change, right? 
Maybe their email address didn't change, but they decided, you know what, I would rather be contacted this way. Or maybe they have a new job and they want to put that one. Wouldn't that be great? They want us to get to them in their work email um, because they really want to make sure they see it. So just giving them that option of, of, you know, reconnection is really smart, I think. And so basically what you're saying is, is uh, almost every time you're connecting with the people, you've got to almost do a refresh. I know you went more to the annual thing, but in the yeah. small group world, as you're talking to them, you don't have to drill down and go through every little thing, but there are little nuggets you can collect along the way that may help. And Christine, we do the same thing once a year. We're always, you know, pushing out there, you know, who are the people that you're taking care of, you know, to making sure rosters are up to date and in sync. And so uh, I think it's really great. Derek, got the second thought you're going to move us on to? Yes. Um, you've got a note here, Christine, that says how the number one rule is use it yourself. And in my time as a uh, small group point person or pastor, you know, I know we can all be guilty as pastors of telling our people or leaders to do one thing and we don't do it ourselves. No. Like, um, no. how many small group pastors out there aren't actually in a small group, right? So uh, it's got to be real critical that they're actually using uh, the software or the the CRM themselves, correct? Tell us more about that. Yeah. So it sounds really simple, right? And it is. Okay. It is very simple, but it is so, so important. I learned this because I made mistakes. Mm. Uh, when I was an entrepreneur, one of the main sources of uh, my business was a website and it, people would go onto the website and I remember working so diligently and so hard to build this thing. I poured in so much money. I hired so many mm -hmm. experts to help me build it. And by the time I built it, I was exhausted. Yeah. And I, I worked so hard that, that it was the best, right? But it wasn't. And I failed to do the simplest thing. And that was to go through the process on my own and make sure that it was friendly, user friendly, and that it was a good experience. And ultimately, uh, you'll probably see in my notes, it's not just us because sometimes we're just too prideful and our opinion is biased. And so you've got to get your new staff members engaged right? You've got to get uh, your great aunt in, in Kansas or somebody that you can trust um, to, to get in there and use it, no matter what it is that you're doing, and make sure that it really is a good experience. Because ultimately, what do we want people to experience? We want people to experience Christ. So the experience needs to be loving and it needs to be good. Because that's what the world is looking at, right? Their 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 experience is really important. <clears throat> no, you're bringing you're bringing up a great point there because a lot of times it's one, it's important for us to use it, but it's also important to get fresh eyes on it. Because yeah. I found that sometimes when I'm using it, because my eye is trained in such a way that I enjoy the experience, and I'll go through it like. Uh, with our health assessment or a group assessment, but what we find out sometimes is that a different user might have, you know, a new take on it, or it may feel bumped, or it may feel uh, one way or another. And so 
it's not only just uh, use it yourself, if I'm hearing you right, Christina, but you're also bringing up this point is it's, it's helpful to get some other eyes onto it. It's very important that we buy what we sell. We say that all the time. We've got to, we kind of, you know, Derek alluded to it. If you're not in a small group, good Lord, you have no business leading it to be like a pastor, not going to church. Uh, but at the same time too, it's important that you get other people. And I, and I love that you, you just said your, your great aunt Betsy or whoever that was, you know, you know, go ahead and get somebody that may not know exactly how to maneuver themselves around. And that's what I, uh, loved about this one point about data is that you can have the best retrieval system and the best storage system and the best of best of everything and the best tools and you, you think you got the best ux but without you know having people in there it could be a really a faulty thing yeah and i think too in the church something i've noticed and also adopted um just naturally we're afraid of going and looking for trouble yeah and we're afraid Eric's pretty good about looking for trouble all the time but uh but i hear what you're saying yeah and criticism we you know because sometimes we get criticism that we don't enjoy but this is an area where we have to actually be going and asking people about their experience and um you know even like if we want to narrow this in specifically with hosts right if we do a big campaign and uh we some of those groups that form don't always survive going into those to those situations and finding the hosts and saying, you know, what, what made you not want to continue the group? Like that's information that we need so that we can move forward um, with wisdom. You know, this reminds me of Steve. We used to send out um, for our small group network events, you know, uh, a poll to the people that were at the event, you know, and as the event, uh, kind of one of the main event leaders, I was always hesitant to send that out because I knew we were going to get some feedback I didn't like, right? Yeah. And it was never fun reading, you know, this event sucked or um, <laughs> the food was terrible. But the flip side was it always helped us to get a better event when we realized, oh, I guess we could improve this area. So totally with what you're saying, Christina, when it comes to small groups and data, get it to your people, find out what's working, what's not right. And and you have to be secure in doing that, right? Right. So if you're joining us, we're talking about seven thoughts on how data can help serve you the best way. We went through the first one, which was uh, know that accurate data is critical. Second thing we just were pounding through is that, you know, the number one rule is you got to use it yourself and also be, I love the criticism part. You got to be open to getting feedback. You know, I got my whole team, uh, all 19 of our campuses are going through four helpful lists and, you know, it's what's right, what's wrong, what's missing and uh, what's you know, what needs to happen. And, you know, those lists that are coming in are painful to, to read. But Derek, what's uh, number three on the hit list here? Number three, how due diligence isn't enough. Christina, break that down for us. Okay. So I'm going to give you a personal dialogue oh. of myself uh, in my new role in the church world. And I want to compare it and contrast it with the dialogue of Christina as an entrepreneur. Okay. 
So this is, this is what it looks like for me uh, today. So I'm like writing an email. Maybe I'm doing, let's do an email blast. Okay. So we're doing a widespread email out to everybody, making some announcement um, and trying to get people's attention. This is about engagement. Okay. I'm trying to engage. So this is me today. Oh, I'm so glad that I'm done with that email. This day has been so long and I'm exhausted. Well, I've looked over it. I'm pretty sure there's not any errors. Um, I should send it to somebody else real quick and have them check it. Uh, No, I'll just go ahead and send it out. I really needed to get it out yesterday. So I got to get it out today. And um, so then let's go to the other side of me. The entrepreneur me would be like, I'm going to stay up all night long and come up with the best subject line imaginable so that I can make sure that people are going to open it. Right. I was so determined Mm -hmm. and I was so passionate about it being the best email in the world every time, uh, because it had to be because I would not be successful. I could not continue my mission of having a business. I could not pay people. I could not survive. Unless I engaged, it was critical. Mm. So then let's talk about the next morning when I'm looking at the read receipts, like I'm looking at who's opened it, right? So if I'm in the church, I might find myself saying something like, well, I sent the email. I can't make people open it. You know, if they didn't open it, if my host didn't open the email, I can't, there's nothing I can do. I can't force them, right? But the entrepreneur me, as a business owner, if if my open rate was, you know, less than 40%, I'd be like, I'm calling in an expert. I'm going to spend whatever money I have to spend to learn how to do this right. Why? Because I had to. Mm. You see the difference? So one of the things you're bringing up there, too, is just, uh, you know, in the a lot of times in in corporate world or when you're an entrepreneur like you are there's that hunger factor that's there because you know that if, if you aren't successful you're you're not getting a paycheck and sometimes in the ministry world we can get into such a soft place that the the paychecks always come and so whatever job you do is is, is close enough and i and i and what i was hearing from you in that one part that i love is that little hunger piece of being able to say I do want to go that extra mile because, and if something is broke, it kind of goes back to our last point a little bit. If something is broke or something isn't happening, I'm going to go, I'm going to go the other step. I'm going to go beyond and find out. You were just talking about emails and stuff like that. One of the things that we always look at is open rate and going back there to say, you know, what, what didn't work if, if it wasn't there and scrutinizing our own selves. And I'll never forget on our newsletters, you know, we didn't have a great open rate and we finally went and we met with all of our group leaders and just said, what is it that you want from a newsletter? You know, shock, what they wanted was not what we were giving. And, you know, all they wanted was ideas. And once we started giving them what they wanted, our open rate, you know, is now at 70%. And so, you know, with, with, I love what you're talking about that due diligence part is you, Anything else you want to bring out on that that's important on maintaining that that hunger and maintaining the ability 
for the due diligence to be there? Yeah, I want to be kind to us here because this is not meant to be condemning. So mm -hmm. I find that the reason why my attitude is different is because I'm trying to avoid burnout and I'm trying to avoid the Messiah complex, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of entrepreneurs are seeking to make themselves very wealthy and well-known, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's it's in our flesh to drive ourselves to to really be passionate and um and work hard to make ourselves great and so maybe in the church we're trying to avoid that a little bit and um i think that we need to be fair in that area but ultimately there's a middle ground where yeah. where we cannot allow um like this messiah complex or this um this burnout fear to be an excuse for a lousy user experience right does that make sense yeah if i if i hear you right you're talking about um there there is a delicate balance we we want we want the best uh with that and what we're trying to do is make sure that our, our people are served as best as possible. Uh, one of the things I always tell staff is that you, you could work eight days a week, 40 hours a day, and there's still ministry left over to get done. So there, there's a balance of understanding, you know, there's just more work than you're, you're going to have available. But there's also with that, the other flip side of the coin is being able to make sure that you're good, you're being good stewards of what you are doing, do it right, do it well. And it's not just about getting contacts out there or sending a blast of text or anything like that, but it's also, there's the balance of just not getting the job done, but getting the job done right uh, with that. If I captured you, your thoughts on that a little bit. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, let's talk about sales commission structure and how it works. And I know Steve is super excited to talk about this one. Oh, man. I, you know, just by you, at face value, I know a lot of you are thinking, do we get sales commission? Do we do this? And Christina and I were talking uh, prior to the show that we're like going, we would love to rearrange the salary structure of some of our pastors and, and make it off commission sales. <laughs> we can't do that. But Christina, talk to us a little bit about what, what was your heart behind this whole point? Because uh, there, it's, it's a little bit of a twisted uh, framework on this. It's, we're not really getting too much on sales commissions, but there is a good heart piece you want to come out of this. Yeah. So it's just a fun way. Sometimes we exaggerate to prove a point. And while I would never actually say we should go through with this, I want to tell our audience that this came from you asking me a very fun question. You, you asked me, Christina, if you were queen for a day, what would you do? Right? Yeah. And so that's, that's a unrealistic question. So I gave a bit of an unrealistic answer. But ultimately, the idea is that a commission sales structure is the ultimate accountability. Yeah. There is nothing greater because if you're working on a commission based sale, you will not get paid 
you will not be successful unless you win, right? Unless you engage with the person, unless you sell them, whatever it is. So the majority of my entire working career has been in some capacity like this. Uh, Think about a waitress. She will not make a good living if people do not engage with her um, and she doesn't do a good job because she's operating on tips, right? Yeah. That's where her real pay comes from. And so, you know, when you have a really good waitress, right? She was on top of things. She was Mm -hmm. responsible. She was checking on you. She made sure that your experience was excellent, right? So I'm like channeling all my waitress energy, right? When I'm thinking about my life group, because it's really the same thing, right? Jesus came to teach us how to be servants. Mm. And so we should really be thinking that way. Um, So whether it be commission sales or, you know, uh, that's kind of for for people that really understand sales, they're going to get that. But for anyone out there who doesn't, think about it like a like a waitress or a server at a restaurant. Same thing. <clears throat> yeah, and when you're talking about that, I mean, the the part that I, I loved about it, and I, it was one of those things that the accountability gets dialed up a little bit more. I know that you you shared a little about about a, a verse in Romans. Do you want to unpack that a little bit? And because there is an accountability for us as followers of Christ, we, we it is clear. Let me be very, very clear. We're not going to do sales commission or, or push that, you know, on anything. But it, there is a piece of it that there there is something that drives us a little bit more than money, hopefully. And and that is uh, hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But uh, you, you had a verse there that I really loved in Romans 12. And can you unpack that for us a little bit? Yes, I would love to. I, I love this passage in Romans 12. Um, it's really part of what changed my entire life, to be completely honest. Mm. Um, So I'm just going to read it really quick. And it's so interesting. Paul is really selling us hard. I mean, he opens it up saying, I appeal to you, uh, therefore, brothers. He's saying, I urge you, like he's listened to me, right? Mm. He's really trying to get us to pay attention. Um, By the mercies of God, right? Whoa, like... Because of God's mercy, that's why he's asking us to pay attention. That is so vast, right? Uh, To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, this word in, I I had to look it up because you might be thinking of it as a physical body. But ultimately, if you look up the uh, original Greek in the Strong's Concordance, this word somata, or the root word soma, a body, is it can be your physical body or your flesh, but it's also the body of the church. So our small groups ministry, you can just put that right in here, right? And if you don't believe me, go back to the last verse of chapter 11, because it talks about everything being by God and for him and through him, right? So, I mean, seriously, go back if you're doubting and read that last scripture in chapter 11. But he says, present present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so ultimately, like, this is our accountability, that it is holy, that it is set apart by God and for God, and that Mm -hmm. it's pleasing to him. 
So when we're doing our work um, to, to, to support our small group ministries, we have to be consistently asking ourselves, is this holy? Is this set apart by God and for God? And is this pleasing to him? Right? Yeah, it's one of those pieces where um, it is what drives you. And um, in when you're making a living, a lot of my friends are in sales. A lot of them are sales managers. And the money out there is ridiculous. But the point is, is that, you know, if money is what's driving you, you know, get in a, get in a different biz. But for us, what drives us is that whole part. And I love what you're bringing up there in Romans 12 is being, you know, at making your bodies a living sacrifice. And, and really, I love what you said there is present your, instead of bodies, put present your small group ministry and, and putting it there before the Lord as best as possible. When you, and when you put your head down, it, it, you know, are you doing the best? Are, are you doing the utmost to be able to get out there and help your people? A couple of practical tips in, in this area. I mean, Christine, you brought up the, the analogy of the, of the server that comes to your table and is right there taking care of you. And, and it's important that, you know, there are certain things of, that we can do as small group leaders when we're engaging our people and, and getting, getting that, that relationship built across there is just being able to ask, you know, just good questions. Think about the questions that you're going to engage your people with, because part of, you know, getting a relationship built, and that's, that's going to get you the best user experience, because the more relationship you build, the more honest they're going to be, and the more you can dig in a little bit of where they're at. But when we're talking about this point right here, it is, is being able to say, what are some of those questions? And oftentimes, I found myself in the busyness of the day, and it shouldn't be like this. But in the business of the day, when you're making some calls and you're checking in with people, you're shooting from the hip. And I just want to encourage you, start to think through, what are those heartfelt, engaged questions that you could ask people before, you know, you're starting to uh, talk with them and, and be right there? And because there is an accountability. You're giving accountability to them. They're giving accountability to you. But most important, you're giving accountability to God for the, the people that you're taking care of. Uh, Proverbs 27 talks about, you know, you've got to know the conditions of your flocks. You've got to know these things. You know, throughout the Bible, there's all kinds of analogies of God giving you things and how are you going to do with them and what are you going to do with them? So it's super important. Any wrap up, you, you or Derek, on, on this point right here, this thought? One practical. I think Christina. Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. One practical thing just to throw in there that we have a lot of success with at the Woodlands Church mm-hmm. is um, asking people how we can pray for them. It's so yeah. simple, but everybody needs prayer. And it's a great way to engage on a deeper and more personal level with whomever we're speaking. I just loved your analogy of the waitress. I mean, it's so true. We all love great service. And this is over something as simple as food. We love great service because it makes the atmosphere great or it can break it, right? So how much more in the church as leaders or pastors, 
Should we have that same attitude to serve our small group hosts or leaders as best we can, right? And that has, you know, that's that looks different, but that's communication, right? That's asking if I can pray with you, just the simple things. But I just love that. That was a home run, Christina. So, um, question for you is why is setting achievable expectations a must in your view? Yeah, I think, um, expectations are critical because you can really, um, shoot yourself in the foot is this term I like to say, if you set people up with expectations that you don't deliver on. So setting the simplest expectations are, are the one that you know you can meet because you can blow their mind and do better. You can always do, if you do better than what you say, then their experience is good. But if you're setting them up to be disappointed, well, that's just not going to work out for anybody. So some people call that, and I've heard you say it, Steve, um, to over deliver, right? How does it go? You yeah, under promise and over deliver. That's right. Under promise and over deliver. That is so wise, I think, in this area um, of expectations, for sure. So, so, Christina, but how would you do that in the sense of for the user experience? Are you, how are you setting their, uh, their expectations lower uh, so that when you over-deliver? Or uh, what, are, what's a, what are some practical pieces that you may be thinking with that? Yeah, I'm always uh, framing this stuff about people coming to a group for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. They don't really know what to expect. And so um, I, I'm new to this world, but I think um, if people have an expectation, right? Sometimes sometimes no expectation is even scary. Yeah. So if you can make content to put out there that kind of shows people a little bit about what it looks like, that can be really comforting. Um, I remember when I first started in all this and the thought of going into a stranger's home or having strangers come into my home. And I just thought, this is just overwhelming to me. But when there's content available to just get a glimpse of what that looks like, I'm a big fan of testimonials because it's real you know and people love stories and they love to see people's faces so anything that we can do to show people especially a new user a little bit about what it looks like could be really really helpful i think yeah i think one also another uh, practical thing for us as we're engaging with our people is um, you know, when you're when you're engaging with your hosts, when you're engaging when your coaches or with any of your leadership, you know they expect you obviously to know their name. But knowing the name of their spouses, knowing the name of their kids, uh, little let data work for you. Uh, get to get to know what you know some some parts of their life that are, are standing out. And it's, and again, it's if you think through friendship and stuff like that. You know their expectation is going to be somewhat low. It, you have a great opportunity just to to blow them away by just knowing a little bit more or going a little bit above and beyond uh, with that. I know that uh, periodically, you know, we'll have people that um, will 
I have no expectation on certain people doing certain things, but when they come over to our house, when they bring something to us, when they when they surprise us with a little gift, doesn't have to be an expensive gift, but when it's a little something, or when you're just giving them a little note, drop it in the mail, stuff like that. Again, you're, 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 there, there's no expectation out there. Our culture, I mean, coming out of COVID, we have set such a low user experience. I mean, when I go to order something, I just plan on it being wrong. I'm just counting on it being wrong. You know, I just, you know, I, I'm just, you know, at least out here in California, you know, I'm expecting poor service. I'm expecting. So when, you know, that expectation is so low, you just go above and beyond. Same thing in the church world. Hopefully all the time you're, you're trying to go a little bit above and beyond and taking this whole point that we're talking about here, this fifth point about, you know, setting, you know, the, the achievement and expectations. There's one that it's, you're, you're setting it for yourself because like we said before, there's more than you're ever going to get through on everything. Yeah. But there's also the piece that, you know, you can go a little bit above and beyond and just blow them away just by knowing simple things like, you know, asking them, you know, how's, how's their spouse doing? Or, you know, and the more, you know, people, the more, you know, the information. If I went to Derek and I said, so tell me about how did Azariah dislike your trip in, in Egypt? You know, because I saw it on social media, but I can engage him in that way. Again, it, it kind of takes that expectation and gives a little bit of the wow and pizzazz factor. Yeah, absolutely. And we have so much at our fingertips if our databases are correct, right? Yeah. We'll have all kinds of great information to, to go on. I love the uh, dichotomy of the small group world with your entrepreneur background, uh, Christina, and just how it all jives together. Talk to us about how group health and corporate training are essential, as you would say. Yeah, or you can take it into the coaching side, too. Yeah, you know, the, the biggest thoughts that I have on all this is ultimately – Seeing the necessity of having, um, being able to delegate a lot of responsibility, right? So being able to allow people to work for you, like no matter what our budgets are, no matter how big or small they may be, or how big or small our teams may be, it's never enough because they multiply so dramatically, right? Even the churches that have the biggest staffs and the most amount of groups, right? The if you look at the um, at the ratio, it's always just so out of control. And so, um, I think one thought that I've been really thinking on lately, and that we're planning to do at um, the Woodlands Church, is instead of trying to figure out how to train and coach all of our people ourselves. We're looking at doing a campaign where we find the healthiest groups in all the aspects that we're monitoring and we let them do the teaching. So going out and getting a testimonial and doing a really smash up job, like just so good, right? Making it really professional, getting a testimonial from them of that piece of group health, right? So maybe we're going to talk about serving together. There's always groups that do a great job at serving together and it's really bonded them, right? So if we can go out instead of just 
randomly telling people you really should be serving together and this group did it and it's worked so great for them or, you know, uh, here's why we do this. Letting them tell that story and then putting the passage from Acts chapter 2 right in there, right? And letting that powerful, powerful story do the teaching for us. Now it's just a matter of us getting it out to everybody. But if it's well done, people will watch it. And I think that it, the effectiveness of something like that would, would be so much greater than anything else that we could do. Yeah, I think a key point you put there is story. And when you yeah. look at the New Testament, Jesus, he taught always in, in stories. Very, very little was lecture. And the beautiful thing about stories is it begs a question uh, that, that's going to happen right there. And the, the beautiful way to reinforce the data and the experience that you want from your people is, you know, uh, being able to, you know, reward what you want repeated. And part of when you have a group up there, you're rewarding them for what they've done right. And if you can share it through through a story, the power is, is right there. So it's a great point for each one of us to keep in play. Yeah, and these days, man, just a new iPhone will do it all, you know. Uh, used to, not that long ago, you really would have to hire a production company to do something like this. So for yeah. for you guys out there that are feeling um, sad right now because you think, well, you know, that's easy for her to say, maybe her church has those resources. Listen, in today's world, there are literal films, movies, like literally Hollywood is making movies on iPhones. So, you know, rope in your student ministry and see if they don't know how to put that together um, and engage with them because it technology has made it possible today to really do a lot of things with not very many resources. So we can all do it. Well said, Christina. Well said. I hope everybody takes that uh, point she made to heart with the, the beauty of technology with uh, with iPhones or smartphones with these apps Canva so much can be done with a simple um, even video editing software all done on your phone for free and um, you don't have to pay a big uh, video uh, editor to do it all so um, great point um, let's wrap this up with your final uh, point you had which is what to do before you meet your people. Tell us what you mean by this, Christina. Steve, why don't you lead us on this one? Yeah, no problem, because uh, so often in the group's world, we get stuck and, you know, we know we want to call the people. We know we want to do it. Some of us will just dial the phone and and push right in there, or you'll see them on the weekend and engage. What we're talking about here is kind of getting to know a little frame and, depending on who your group leaders are and how many you have, there's so many things that are here. But before you meet with people, what we're trying to do here is help you unpack a few things. And the first thing is know what you know. So if I'm going to meet somebody, I'm going to want to make sure that I, I, that I've know, I know them. 
and what data do I have on them? And, and how long have they been leading a group? And where have they been leading? And, and what aspects? And, and part of that is, is your database will, will reflect back to you things that you can know about them. If, if you've got a brand new group leader right there, I'd encourage you to go up on social media. Start to discover who they are. Because when you look into people's social media accounts, you start to get to know a lot about who they are. They're on Instagram. They're going to be on uh, you know, Snapchat. They're going to be on Facebook. They're, they're going to be on Twitter. There's going to be things that they're, they're going to be on. And if they're on no social media, you know, you can just do your best. But one of the things I want to encourage you is before you meet, know what you can know about them from your church. Know when they got saved. Know when they got baptized. Get, you know when they started their group or anything like that. The second thing right there is, you know, you want to, you know, what, what do you want them to know? Where what is it that you, when you're going to have, when you're going to be done with that conversation, is there something you want them to know that you can tell through the story that we just talked about, uh, you know, on, on coaching and training and expectations? Is there a training aspect you want them to know? Is there, you know, some piece that you want them to be able to do a little bit better? But what is it that when the, when the conversation's over, what is it that you, you know, you want them to walk away going, I want, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit uh, challenged or I, I want, want to know this, this particular nugget. It may just be a, an announcement you want them to know or a, something that's coming up that you want them to know. And then the third thing is, is where, where are you wanting to take them? Uh, are, is this a brand new leader? You're just trying to get them a little bit more uh, deeper in what you want them to be able to do. Is this an experienced leader where you're, you're going to say, I want them to be in this particular area. Derek and I talk all the time on this show about college football and recruiting and, and being able to develop people in that. In the corporate world where Christina is from, it's called Leadership Pipeline. In the church world, it's just developing your people. Where Where is it you want to take them? I love this passage in Exodus 18 when um, uh, Jethro is coaching Moses on, you know, there's people who can lead tens, and there's people that can lead fifties, and there's people that can lead hundreds, and there's people that can lead thousands. And are you trying to take a ten to a fifty, or a fifty to a hundred, or a hundred to a thousand, or maybe you're just trying to take a ten and make them the best ten that they are of leading a group of ten or leading the best in fifty? The point is, though, is where where are you always trying to develop people? It's a little bit different than the point before of what do you want them to know because it's more finite that's something that's going to happen in the conversation. This is a, the, the developmental piece. So know what you know about them. Know what you want to do in that particular time. And then the third thing is obviously where do you want to take them? Where do you want to develop them? Because everyone is on a development path, pathway. And the great thing is, is that in your when we're talking about uh, data, when we're talking about a CRM, a UX, what you want them to feel in this experience is that I have a church that's developing me and challenging me and taking me along in a journey. So as you as you think through these seven thoughts, where we're, what we're talking about on data, I'll give final thoughts to Christina and, and Derek here in just a second. But what what from my heart when we're talking about this is we want you to be able to take these experiences 
and make it work. What, what corporate does, Christina was talking about this, they're trying to make money. They're trying to make a sale. They're trying to get the next big widget and things like that. But we have something that's, we're trying to take that, the same information, but develop people to be better followers of Christ and take them a little bit deeper. So I want to encourage you to take these seven thoughts that we have on data. And it's not just about finding out when does the group meet and have they gone through leader training and have they done this, but it's about taking these seven thoughts and taking them a little bit deeper to give you a richer experience. And more importantly, your people a richer experience so that they can know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Christina, Derek, any final thoughts as we kind of wrap up this particular part of the show? Yeah, I do want to mention one thing since you have kind of closed this off with that, that comparing once again, the selling the sales world, right? Mm. So when we first met and we talked about this a little bit, which, you know, got you interested in having me come on the show today. When we got off that call, our office hours call, um, my boss, the lead pastor of life groups at Woodlands church, Chris Van Houten, he said, you know, how funny is it that here we are ultimately trying to sell a free gift that really is the one thing that everybody needs. Yeah. The one thing that everybody needs and it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. So we should really be trying to sell this thing, right? Right? Like we should really be making sure we're doing our best efforts to be that that vehicle through which the Holy Spirit will uh, speak and use us to present the gospel uh, to God's people. And simple concept, but very eternal in everything we do. I think that uh, you just said it all there, Christina. I couldn't say anything better than that. And um, what a great point and a great discussion. And um, if you guys don't have anything else to uh, share, I'll I'll end the show. Make it cheers, buddy. Christina, Steve, and I want to thank you again for taking part of uh, your busy day to join us um, as you are got so much going on with entrepreneurship and leading uh, groups at your amazing church, the Woodlands. Thanks again for spending part of your day with us and sharing your knowledge, your experience, and I really enjoy just your fresh perspective uh, coming from where you have. So I think our listeners are really going to enjoy this and take it to heart. So to everybody listening or watching, we want to thank you for joining us. We hope this episode has always encouraged you and equipped you to better lead your small group ministry. And uh, until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to Steve Gladen on Small Groups. If you like what you've heard, make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you want to learn more, make sure you check out smallgroupnetwork.com for more resources.